we're always constantly having to reinvent ourselves in some way in order to stay relevant, in order to provide for our families, to demonstrate to our children especially that you're not going to have this static linear type progression throughout your life. You're going to have peaks and valleys and it's all about how you handle those and whether you can get back up. Coley Thomas is my guest on today's podcast. He has lived a life filled with constant growth and reinvention. I've had the privilege to see his journey firsthand as his cousin from his days as a restaurant owner, financial advisor, and now as a top secret eligible technology engineer. He has a heart for honest conversations and a mind that is always eager for the next book. Enjoy this conversation with the one and only Coley Thomas. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Well, Coley, welcome to the Become a Provider podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How I like to start things off, if the guest allows me to share a quick story of how you have provided for me. So can I do that? Of course. Your podcast. We had a chance to grow up together, cousin Coley, more like a brother. One of the stories that I wanted to share was when I was getting ready to graduate high school through your positive influence and our grandfather's positive influence, I was motivated to start a Roth IRA. So I went down to my local bank and I opened up an account feeling so proud of myself. You're cheering me on as well. And then after I graduated high school, our stories overlap a little bit where we're both in college together at Rhino College, which we can go over a little bit. But for this story, about a year goes by and I say, hey, Cole, is this normal? Like I put this little chunk of money in this Roth IRA and it literally hasn't done anything. And he said, no, 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 the market like goes up and down. And so may need more time, Justin, but I'll check it out. And so you you looked at it and you realized, oh, Justin, they've actually never invested the money into the Roth IRA. And you helped coach me to say, Actually, this is illegal, Justin. If you want to press charges, you could, (laughs) but uh, I recommend just go ahead, go online, start your own online brokerage account. And so that's what I did. And I've still got that mutual fund, that investment that you recommended when I first started that as a freshman in college. So thank you for providing for me in my investments that way, very practical way. That's awesome. I mean, to have the foresight to do something like that at 18 years old, when 99% of other 18-year-olds are thinking about anything but planning for their future is impressive. So I'm glad you got started early. I know you've seen all the graphs and the reports of what a person can do with the beauty of compounding and time. Kudos to you for taking the initiative and not wasting that money on something frivolous that you have nothing to show for today. And that money may be the exact same if it wasn't for you. Well, I think You were actually down, if I remember, because they had taken out like an annual custodial fee or something, and you had earned less in interest than you had paid out in fees. And that was the first red flag. (laughs) Thank you for that. And it, it helps to highlight the great fortune and blessing that we had to grow up in a family unit that taught us to think long term and to invest, not just financially, but also into family. And so I'd love to start, if it's okay with you, I remember in high school showing off to my friends because one day I had just got my license and I said, hey, let's go to this new restaurant in town. I know the owner. We could pull up there. They said, what's this place, Justin? I said, Chili Peppers. My cousin owns it. (laughs) I walk in there like I own the place. You have so many fascinating parts of your journey, but if you don't mind, as an early 20-year-old, how in the world did you become a restaurateur and what was that experience like? I grew up around entrepreneurs. 
you know, our grandparents and your parents and my parents, we've had that strong example in our life. I've always wanted to work for myself in some capacity. That seemed like a prime opportunity based upon the location and the success that it had had before. And I had a friend at the time who actually became my uh, partner in the business. And he had a concept that at that time was pretty foreign to Radford. I mean, we rented out the area next to it for evening activities. We had a couple of pool tables in there during the day, but it was stuff that was easily movable so that we could open it up for dancing. If we wanted to have live music, we could have that, but we really wanted to give the citizenry of Radford kind of something similar to what exists in Blacksburg. And that was something that was missing at the time where you could come dine during the day if you wanted to, but in the evening time, we had two bars, one upstairs, one down, and then we had the dance floor and all that stuff. There's still, even 20 years later, really isn't anything like that in Radford. You know, it didn't work out. We hung hard for about 18 months to two years by the time it was all said and done, but it was a really rewarding journey from the fact of working 100 to 120 hours a week, sleeping in your office, but just learning a lot about yourself and the hard work and determination that it takes to make it as an entrepreneur and a small business owner in America. There is a reason why 90% of those fail before that five-year period is because you just need so many things to go right. You need to be in the right place at the right time. You have to supplement it with a lot of determination and hard work. Can't tell you the number of times that I would get out of there about three o'clock in the morning. I'd have to come back in about eight o'clock in order to meet one of the, whether it was Cisco Foods or Bova Beverage or something like that. I mean, you're really, you're putting your whole heart and soul into something. And at the end of the day, you're basically accountable to yourself, right? If you don't show up, the doors don't open. It was uh, something that I wanted to try and all that stuff, but it also had another in uh, positive intended effect. And that's how we ended up in college together, even though we are seven years apart in age. And that made me realize that I wanted to go back to Roanoke College and finish my education. The first time I was there, didn't take it as seriously as I should have. I looked at it just kind of as an opportunity to, I guess, probably not have to get a job or be in the real world for a while. I'm sure a lot of people at that age go through that. But, you know, once on the other side of that thing, I really understood how important it was to go back and finish what I started. And I was really grateful for that type of experience just to teach me the value of getting an education. And I was thankfully able to go back. You know, I was welcome to come back because I had proven locally by taking courses that I was ready to come back and take my education seriously. So, you know, and then we got to end up being in college together at the same time. So it all worked out. That was pretty amazing. I remember strategically picking a biology class, uh, you know, going to a liberal arts college, we could actually have a chance to do a course together. So how wonderful of a story is that? You got me through that course. I hadn't taken biology in God knows how long at that point. So part of that diploma is yours. I had to, and that's one of my electives my last semester in college. So I owe you for that one. Well, isn't it fun to reflect on all of the moments like that, that people helped us out and what led us to where we are? And so what a unique opportunity. I mean, I just think that's a fascinating part of your journey is that you're always growing and you're always willing to reinvent yourself. And the theme of this podcast is providing for others. And it seems like, at least from my experience growing up with you and really admiring you, is the fact that you go all in, as you referenced, whether it's going all in with having a good time your first go around at college or going all in with saying, what am I going to do now? Most people don't think about starting a restaurant. Like that's a pretty unique next step after college doesn't go the way you want to. And they say, hey, Cole, you should probably think about someone else in college. Go try something else. You know, where does that confidence come from? Who in your life helped provide for you to take bold steps to help reinvent yourself, whether it's the, the restaurant or going back to college or the careers that you've done since then? 
I have been down on the mat more times than I can count. Gone through a layoff about 10 years ago where I really was in the middle of getting my master's degree that a company had promised to pay for and then reneged on it. So I was at this fork in the road where do I continue working on getting this advanced degree that could potentially help me or do I just stop? And, you know, with the encouragement of my parents and our grandfather and my wife, I accelerated my progress and I finished uh, what was originally supposed to be a four-year part-time journey in 18 months. Just having a solid support system, I can't say enough about my parents, my mom and dad, they mean everything to me as far as building you back up, especially after you've taken a tough loss, whether it's self-inflicted or whether it's just something else that life gives you. Granddad, always with his cheerful optimism. I know he had bad days, especially the last five years of his life where he probably didn't feel great all the time, but you would never know it. Every time you saw him, he had a smile a mile wide. He asked you what you were doing, but he was always trying to reorient you back to the positive. And it was kind of his way of saying, you know, I care about you. He wasn't a big, I love you guy or anything like that, but he was kind of letting you know that he cared about you. He cared about your future and your potential successes in this world. And then, you know, you've got to have someone by your side that's going to be there through thick and thin. And my wife, I, I can't say enough positive things about her. I am not the easiest person in the world. I'm not for everyone. I'm sure that you would agree with that. And I, I got very lucky to, to find someone like that that has stuck by my side through a restaurant venture, through a layoff. You know, she kept going to work every day while I was laid off. So, I, I mean, I, and just my parents, they've helped me rebuild myself. I don't know how many times just from a fundamental point of, hey, when we came to Radford, we were both starting over. We decided to give the, the business a shot for 12 months and we didn't know what, what our next move was. You're not always going to have a lot of visibility and certainty into your life, but you just have to get up and do it. You know, sometimes they both communicate in different ways, but they complement each other really well. And I'm sure your parents probably had that, that same type of thing. You know, one could be more blunt than the other. One could be softer than the other, but sometimes you need to hear from both of those people in order for it to be a complete message. I still depend on, on that. We're always constantly having to reinvent ourselves in some way in order to stay relevant, in order to provide for our families, to demonstrate to our children, especially that you're not going to have this static linear type of progression throughout your life. You're going to have peaks and valleys, and it's all about how you handle those and whether you can get back up. They build character. They build toughness. They show you really probably to yourself more than others who you really are and what you're made out of. So I, I feel like I'm very much a work in progress, but if it weren't for those four people around me, I have no idea where I would be today. I can't thank them enough. And today you're now in the IT field. Your career has spanned from student, restaurant owner, and financial advising, where you went into that professionally, into the banking industry, and then making pivot back into school, going to get your MBA, and eventually finding your career now in engineering. One exciting part about your journey is just what you mentioned of being down on the mat, but allowing that to be an opportunity for you to grow. If you don't mind, would you just take us to a moment where you felt like you were down on the mat and how you got off of that? I think a lot of us can appreciate those stories and those feelings of, I don't know what to do next. And you mentioned the people that helped you, but if you don't mind, just pick a moment, one of those moments and walk us through that, how you got through it. I lost my job with my former employer. We had been bought in a fire sale, essentially, after the 2008 financial crisis. Our new employer came through and eliminated about 14,000 positions, and I was one of them. And this was June of 2010. Around the time, I had already received the written 
approval to go ahead and get my MBA and that they would pay for it with the time commitment and all that stuff. So all that at that point was null and void. That was shocking. But going through the whole trying to find another job while I was in graduate school, I would apply for anywhere between 25 and 50 jobs a day. It got to the point where if I received a human response from a person even saying, we're not hiring at this time, we're not interested in filling this role at this level, I would write back and just say, thank you. You know, it was just nice to hear from something other than an automated service basically declining you or saying, hey, you know, you're not located in uh, Tacoma, Washington, therefore we're not interested at this time. So that whole process and then actually finishing up my MBA the following May and still not being able to find a job while watching my wife go to work every day and provide for us, it was very humbling. It was also one of those things where I've realized that, you know, maybe my future wasn't the same as my past. And I had a, a good friend at the time that got me a, a job working on third shift on a service desk at the place where I work at now. You know, I was working from 1030 at night until nine o'clock in the morning, just starting to work my way up from there. I've been in six different roles in nine years now. I went to desktop support. Then I went to a, a monitoring and patching team. Then I went to a, a Windows operating system team. Then I went to a virtualization team. Now I'm on a storage and a virtualization team. So it's been a wonderful progression, but you have to be willing to be flexible. And also life's going to humble you at times. And that was a very humbling experience through that point, especially when you're putting a lot of stress on your partner in life. And you're also trying to figure out what your next step is and you're having no success out there. You know, at that point, I was just grateful to have anything. I certainly wasn't thinking about anything going forward at that point. It was just nice to be able to positively contribute to my household again. I would say that's probably been the most formative time in my life. That's a critical moment in your career and your personal life, it sounds like, to say yes to that opportunity when you could have justified saying no in so many ways. You've got entrepreneurial experience. You're not only an undergraduate diploma in business, but also a master's in business. So what helped you say yes to that opportunity that led to your great growth? At that point, it was really about relationships. I had friends looking for me at other employers as well. You know, if someone's willing to put their personal credibility on the line and say, hey, I think this person would be a nice addition to our team. Here's the skills that this person has. And to allow you to get your foot in the door, I mean, I still had to go through the interview process. Getting a clearance is no joke, you know, a full background investigation, all that stuff. But uh, I saw it as an opportunity to do something new and to also be potentially more valuable going forward, especially with a clearance. I mean, less than 2% of the American population has one. So you have to feel like you're going to be a viable candidate for a role somewhere down the road, even if this doesn't necessarily work out being a long-term solution. There were a lot of things about the role that appealed to me. I have to say professionally, it's been one of the best moves I've ever made. I'm very grateful for the role I have now. It allows us to have stability as a family in a very uncertain time. It allows us to spend, to have a, a positive work-life balance too. You know, I've worked in the private sector before and for myself. When I was a financial advisor, I had routinely had 100-hour weeks. And trying to balance that with, you know, a growing young family is challenging. So I'm thankful that I, I have some semblance of work-life balance. I really have a lot of gratitude for, you know, that happened at the right time. And I think timing is, is so important in life. Would I have been willing to humble myself and take that role five years earlier? Probably not. But once you're laid off and you see someone walking out the door every day trying to keep everything going, it changes your focus pretty quickly, forces you to 
to really reevaluate what's important as far as some income is better than no income. And I think this is really a timely conversation as well as we go through the pandemic and into 2021 now and still some uncertainty, but we see the path moving forward. What's your encouragement to those that they're out of work now? Maybe they're, they feel in that same kind of humbled way, either they're not providing the way that they want to, their spouse is the one doing it, they're not in the career that they want to, based on the lessons that you've had in your career, not only from that story, but from other decisions that you've made. You know, what are some techniques or tools that have been helpful for you as you've re- reinvented yourself personally and professionally that others in similar situations might be able to take hold of? If you're having a hard time sharing your journey with other people, don't be. What I found is the more I opened up to my friends and my family about the experience that I was going through at that time, the more supportive they became. Don't feel like you have to go through it alone. You're not Atlas. You don't have to carry the world on your shoulders. There are 10 million people fewer in the labor force today than there were this time last year. So I would always encourage someone to be willing to reinvent themselves, whether that's going on a Khan Academy and taking a free course, going on Udemy and paying $10 for a full class. Education has never been less expensive than it is right now. It's a huge part of, of our growth going forward. You have to be willing to, to learn and you also have to have that mindset. And I, I still work on it at times myself of being open to acquiring new skills and knowledge because this economy is, is evolving so rapidly and things are changing so quickly that what you did today may not be what you do in five years, may not be what you do in 10 years, may not be, be what you do in 15 years, but really believing in yourself, trying to make sure that you have a skill set that you are proud of, that you're living a life that you're proud of. It took me a lot of years to get to this point. And I have numerous people to thank for supporting me along my journey, yourself included. You know, when you said you're more like a brother than a cousin, that's absolutely true. I know we've had a lot of deep and detailed conversations over the years as I progressed through life and you progressed through life too. But I would say I'm an externalizer of grief and trauma. A lot of people are internalizers because they feel like it's going to somehow reflect negatively upon them. And you almost have to pull things out of them when they are struggling. If you can try to find one or two people in this world that you can confide in and discuss your journey with that you know are going to support you no matter what your decisions are, that's huge. I think there's a lot of people out there right now that, and I I know a few of them, have gone through job loss or are just questioning their value to the world and society and all that stuff. You always have value. Value may change. You may go from being the primary breadwinner in your house, being a stay-at-home parent. doesn't mean you don't have value. It just changes your value perspective. And it also means that you're providing in a different way for others than you were before. Don't allow the isolation to become overwhelming to the point where you're not communicating with others. I think communication is key. Like you said, with this podcast, you use this as a tool to reconnect with others. I think it's good for your mental health. It's good for staying in in focus and in contact with people that you care about and making sure they're okay too. But uh, I think those, those things sometimes fall through the cracks, especially if we're not feeling great about ourselves or we don't feel like we have a lot of things that we can talk about positively in our lives. We have a, we kind of turtle up. And I would say right now, that's probably the, the most dangerous thing that someone can do is, is to turn inward, especially because they may have feelings of grief or trauma or shame. Trust me, there are other people going through it. And there are a lot of good people in this world that want to help each other. And there are a lot of people out there that want to listen and do what they can to be a positive contributor to someone else's life. 
Yeah, thanks for sharing. And it, it obviously comes from a, a deep and personal place of where you've uh, come from, where you're going now. And something else that I know about you is that you are a voracious reader, especially growing up. That really stood out to me of how much you've read. And so what are some books that have positively influenced your life? You gave me one. It's sitting up here, Purpose Driven Life. You gave that to me when I was going through that period. And that was uh, hugely impactful. I can't say enough about books that other people have given me over the years. Most of the time from a, a self-help or a reflection standpoint, books are, are everything. Music, things like that are uh, tremendously impactful because especially the older you get, the more you can kind of place a book or a song from a, a point or period in your time where you're, you were going through something. You know, sometimes a song will come on the radio and I'll be like, man, that song hits me differently because of what I was going through in the spring of 2011. It brings you back to those times, but it also it does a great job of telling you how much you've grown since then, too. Same way with books. You know, I think it's important that people have a core set of books in their life that they reread every five years or 10 years or something like that. I think it helps us to keep our, our focus and keep us centered. Also allows us to reflect on how far we've come. Because none of us are ever finished products. I, I mean, we're all works in progress. But it's nice to kind of take a victory lap every once in a while and say, you know, this time 10 years ago, you had nothing. I mean, I had my wife and I had my family, which were wonderful things to have. But, you know, when you're going through really dark, deep and depressing times where you're not taking people's phone calls, you're not responding to people's emails or text messages. And then you finally turn the corner on that and you think, man, pulled myself out of a pretty bad situation. But I... I did it with a lot of love and affection from others too. So I, I think books are, are a huge part of that. And, you know, the, the brain is malleable. We, we can only process and retain so much information at once. You may get something different out of purpose-driven life now that we may not have gotten out of it five or 10 years ago too. So I think reading and rereading is, is huge. And uh, granddad was a huge proponent of that. I mean, reading the Wall Street Journal voraciously until up until, I guess, probably about a week before he passed away. We're all readers. You know, some of us may have longer attention spans than others. Some people may be more article-based than book-based, but we're, everybody in the world is a reader. And uh, that's a, I can't tell you how important a skill that is to have. I've gotten away from it at times, and I can tell a difference in my mental acuity, sentence structure, ability to comprehend complex situations. And once I start reading again, those things kind of come back into focus. I can't say enough positive things about the power of books, especially when you're trying to, to dig yourself out of a, a potentially dark or difficult time in your life. It, it reminds me of one of my favorite pictures of granddad and it's you and him and you're sitting next to him and he's got a book at his hand and it's a random walk down Wall Street, which is a pretty sophisticated business and investment book that I was assigned that book in college. <laughs> and, and here's our grandfather who passed away at 98, you know, reading that book while sitting next to you. I just love that picture. He was the inspiration for so much of this. You know, I hate to belabor the point, but really we are walking because of someone who may have crawled before us. You know, they, the old standing on the shoulders of giants really applies to, to our granddad. And just the habits and, and the things that we picked up from being around him, like reading and staying engaged. I, I wish every family had that. And I mean that uh, genuinely because 
I think we learn so much from our elders and our ancestors that we take with us throughout our life and that we pass on to our children too. Just having that habit that you knew every time you walked in the door to visit granddad, he had a bookmark in a book that he was working on, or he had today's Wall Street Journal next to him. And it's it's not just about the reading and all that stuff. It's the habits around daily optimism, being centered and, and being right in your relationship with your spiritual and your higher power. And I, I think that builds kind of a quiet confidence within you that, that granddad always carried and allowed him to be, the, in, in my words, in my feelings, one of the ultimate providers of all, because if it weren't for granddad, I doubt we'd be having this conversation right now. And I know our lives would be dramatically different than they are today. I think a lot of those things are, are habit-based and they're formed based upon experiences that we see and we share from our elders and our ancestors, just teaching those habits as we, we grew up, I think was enormously impactful. It makes me think too, and I'm interested in your response to this question is what's important to you as you think about carrying on the legacy of granddad and the valuable trace you see from your parents. So now you're a father of two young boys. What's important to you to carry on that ultimate example of being a provider? Granddad was incredibly humble for someone that was as successful as he was. And I cannot tell you how much admiration I have for someone with that type of personality, especially when I go on social media and I see people that I don't think are nearly as successful as he was and are willing to, to bloviate about it ad nauseum in order to create the, an appearance that they are successful. I realized that was a very different time, but just seeing how successful granddad and grandmother were throughout their lives and the success that your parents have had, the success that my parents have had, they have always been very humble about how they generated success, the amount of hard work that went into it. I know there were times when granddad worked seven days a week, when my parents first came back to Radford, the store was open seven days a week. I mean, I remember we'd leave church and then one of them would go open the store. So the amount of sacrifice that and hard work that goes into creating a successful life, but also not allowing it to go to your head to the point where you feel like you're somehow special or different from anyone else. And I guess the second point would be how generous granddad was. Uh, he was generous with family. He was generous to his church. He was generous with friends, but he was always extremely private and extremely understated about it. Those are the two biggest things I want to carry with me and try to impart going forward. The philanthropy that we do, we try to do anonymously or we try to do in a very low key fashion to where maybe only one person knows about it. Those are things that I learned from granddad. If you're gonna help others, do it when there's no camera around and do it in a manner to where you know you're helping others further themselves in a positive way and that you're not doing it for yourself. And I, I think that sums up granddad really well. He wanted to see all of us succeed and go far in life. So I, I wanna carry on that type of legacy. And you mentioned too, how you wish, genuinely wish that every family had someone like granddad. And if they don't, you gave some great practical tips of humility and having that optimism as well. For those that weren't as fortunate to have that example, and they're hoping to be that example, where do you start? I mean, it's such a huge question, but it's such a meaningful one of like, how do we all become the granddad that we've been reminiscing about the last few minutes, you know, especially if they haven't had that example in their life and those moments of sitting next to him as he's reading and staying engaged with such a long life and seeing that smile for those that didn't have the benefit of that. Where do you start to be that person for a family? I think 
people can find that in mentorship. Uh, humility goes into that too. There was a time where I would not have accepted a mentor in my life. I just thought it was a fool's errand. And I can tell you that my life has been greatly enriched by having and being willing to accept mentorship. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's 20 years older than you or 40 years older than you. It has. It could be someone that's been impactful in your life. They could be the same age. They could be younger. As long as they can contribute to your development and hopefully you can give them positive lessons as well to take away from the experience so that it's mutually beneficial. There are ways to create a network that helps you further develop yourself in a positive manner. You know, families are made up of, of very disparate groups of people. You and I are not bi biologically related. We are related through marriage, but, you know, our grandfather was my grandfather by marriage, but he's my granddad because he chose to take on that role. You and I are family based upon a shared bond of love and trust and also being there for one another throughout the years and all these different journeys that we've had. The whole blood relative aspect of it, I think, is hugely overrated because those people sometimes can't fulfill that role, right? So we, we have to kind of create our own families and we have to create our own networks and our own support systems. So if you're someone out there that is struggling to find that in life, it doesn't have to necessarily be someone that you're biologically related to. It can be someone that you admire and you just haven't told them yet how much you admire them and how much you've actually learned from their habits or the way that they live their lives or something like that. And that could open a conversation to something totally different. It could turn to mentorship. It could turn to friendship. The world, it's like a choose your own adventure book, really. I can tell you that people come from all walks of life and end up in these types of situations. Some of my best friends in IT have backgrounds in cooking and marketing. We all just kind of ended up in the same field and line of work. Everyone has their own journey and their own perspectives about how they got to where they are. And there's, what we were talking about earlier, it's not linear or anything like that. You can take something away from every relationship that you have. This whole thing that mentorship or creating that type of relationship has to be with someone that's a generation beyond you, I think is, is limiting in some ways. Well, thanks for sharing. I know that you've got a team to go back to and your top secret clearance to uh, help us out with uh, technology issues in the governmental space. So I'll let you get to it. I just want to say I admire you so much, Coley. Thank you for being an example in my life of being willing to change and grow and have fun along the way. And I so appreciate you and the opportunity to have this conversation and to honor our family and how they positively shaped us. So as we conclude, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that it didn't give you an opportunity to or that you want to encourage others listening in on our conversation today. I really wanted to thank you for having me on today too. I think it's important that people understand what binds us, what binds you and I in our journey together. And also I hope that it's inspiring to others that they realize that the, the world is to some extent, I, I realize there are forces beyond our control, but it really is what you make of it. It's a choice to stay in close contact with your cousins that you regard as more than cousins. I'm really proud of you for offering this podcasting series because I think it's inspirational to a lot of people, especially what we're going through at the moment. People need positive instances that they can latch onto where they can say, I got something out of this podcast today that's beneficial to me and how I can apply it to my life. And I think that people are, they're always going to be motivated and driven more from personal perspectives than they are from just generic platitudes. I think it's a wonderful venture that you've gone down. I appreciate you having me on, allowing me to share our family story a little bit and the people that have really influenced and impacted me the most. 
been lucky in life in a lot of ways. And I've been lucky to know people like granddad, my parents, your parents, you, my wife. It takes a support system. It takes people to believe in you sometimes when you don't believe in yourself. But don't ever quit. Don't ever give up on yourself, no matter how easy it seems or how badly you want to. Never be afraid to reinvent yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect. Bless and protect.